and welcome to the Free Thought Project podcast. I'm Jason Bassler. I'm here with Matt Agrist, also known as Matt Savoy, and Johnny Liberty, also known as John Parker. We wanted to apologize in the long delay between podcasts. It's been uh, extremely challenging to manage our time since the purge, but we felt like now would be a great time to reboot the show. So recently, the U.S. ordered a drone strike to assassinate Iran's top general, what some people have called the second most powerful man in Iran outside of uh, the Baghdad airport in Iraq. The incident could lead to a number of consequences for the U.S. and its allies. So we wanted to get into that today, possibly a few other things if we have time. Uh, But first, I just wanted to remind everybody to like, subscribe, and review this podcast on your favorite podcast service of choice. Uh, That helps us reach more people, get the show out there. So we appreciate you doing that. So yeah, where do we start? Well, I mean, I, like you like you said, the reason for us to, to start back right now with this podcast is because there's like an emergency going on. The, the U.S. is inching towards war, and uh, the war with Iran is not going to be some some cakewalk like it was in Iraq or Afghanistan. You know, these uh, uh, the Iran has um, serious military capabilities. That they're the 14th largest military in the world, actually, and they could you know they could launch cyber attacks against us they could detonate a nuke in the you know in in any one of the major ports they could strike us in any in any number of places across the planet including inside the united states so all these people that are cheering this on and 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 going you know the trump's my boy and tweeting these memes with trump holding the ar-15 and all they're just they're just really stupid and um and they're pawns you know of this propaganda that's working on them and i just i, I just can't believe how ridiculous this is. You know, this is the same exact propaganda that we saw going into the Iraq war. I mean, almost word for word, you know, like Dick Cheney said when we were going into Iraq that my belief is we will be greeted as liberators in Iraq. That Then just, just last week, Mike Pompeo said the same thing. He said the U.S. has every expectation that the Iranians will view the American people as the, the, the action of assassinating their top general as uh, giving them freedom, quote, seriously, he said giving them freedom. We we assassinated their top commander, and the, and then they think that they, Pompeo believes that they're going to say that that's giving them freedom. So, yeah, this is the, all the same. It's out of the same exact playbook. This is, this is what happens every single time the U.S. marches to war. We spread lies and propaganda, and the people buy into it. It seems like they need to get some new talking points, but apparently it keeps working. Yes, yeah, well, they don't need them. They, these work, <laughs> you know. And and even the even the left is on board. It's not, you know, like there. There's very few voices out there dissenting this march to war with Iran, except for like some of the libertarian candidates. You know, Rand Paul kind of broke his alliance with the GOP and come and came out against this march towards war. You know, 
some of this some of this propaganda is abs- is just straight lies, man. Um, I don't know if you guys saw, but um, Vice President Pence tweeted uh, over the weekend that um, and and blamed Iran, uh, specifically uh, Soleimani, um, for carrying out 9/11. And there is absolutely no proof whatsoever that uh, Soleimani had any hand in 9/11 at all. In fact, the even the the seriously flawed 9/11 Commission report specifically pointed out that. Hezbollah and Iran, there was no evidence that they took place in the planning or, or aiding of any of the attackers. And well, it's it's a little hard to take his tweet seriously too when he, he didn't called, even get the num- he didn't even get the number of hijackers correct. Yes, he called, he said that there were twelve hijackers when they were actually um nineteen. I mean, th- this dude is an idiot, man. And and people just like ate it up, you know, they retweeted it and and just ate this shit up and they're like yeah man now we're gonna go really get the guy for you know carried out 9-11 and they're all clearly missing the point that you know that that saudi arabia was behind 9-11 this is all being exposed now this is trump even said that saudi arabia was behind 9-11 before he was elected because somehow he had access to those 21 pages but yeah so this is this is how stupid the war propaganda has gotten and america is so partisan now and divided that they can literally just buy any of this bullshit and just eat it up i was glad to see some celebrities speak out even an nba coach steve kerr who's uh the the coach of the golden state warriors recently tweeted and he actually called out pence specifically talking about lying about this so it, it does seem like some people are speaking out but the way they f- they frame this is tricky for people who don't pay attention or don't know the history of these two countries oh it's sad to say you know a lot of people will say if you don't learn from your history then you're doomed to repeat it and unfortunately as we've been seeing the debate around this war progress one of the biggest things that seems to be glaringly obvious is how few people know about the Sykes-Picot agreement and how Western policy has shaped, you know, over a century worth of policy in the Middle East. And when you look at any of the so-called extremist organizations like uh, ISIL, Daesh, uh, you know, I, Iran, some of their, you know, their government figures, they all talk about the Sykes-Picot Agreement and how it basically screwed over several countries for the better part of a hundred years, and they're still—I I think they're a little bit mad about it. Yeah, I, definitely, man. There was a there's a former Marine Corps intelligence officer. His name's Scott Ritter. He's been following this really closely, and he pointed out how the U.S. actually, you know, helped to create Soleimani because of their intervention in the. In the Middle East, you know that there, there's actually a photograph that's going around where the where this most dangerous terrorist in the world was actually, you know, walking basically arm in arm with U.S. troops, and they've they've worked together in the past, you know, in in the past decades, because the you know, the Soleimani's enemy is our enemy. They're you know they're going after they're the first ones to go after ISIS. They're the first ones to the the Soleimani's forces are the first ones to engage the Taliban and help remove them, you know, to or help help try to fight them in Iraq. And they were they did all this with invitations from the Iraqi government. You know, we're the we're the invaders over there that didn't have permission to go. And so they've been fighting this proxy war these two entities in in Iraq for this this entire time. In certain points they've been fighting on the same side, but because the US refused to leave Iraq, that's when some of these forces it's it's actually called the Quds forces is basically like 
Iran's arm of the CIA, essentially. They're like this uh, plausible deniability special operation militarized militia unit that um, can carry out these proxy attacks and they're not directly tied back to Iran, like the ones who carried out the strike on the Saudi oil fields, you know, in May. But yeah, so that like this has been playing out for, for years. So these Quds forces in Iraq, which have been taking out ISIS far at a far greater rate than the United States has, did start clashing with the U.S. forces over there, and this was coming to a head. And then instead of just leaving Iraq and letting the Quds forces finish off ISIS without using American tax dollars, that you know we started rattling the saber at Iran, and then it all came to a head with this assassination. Yeah, and speaking of saber rattling, it's too when it's it's funny because when we began this, we talked about you know where did this all began, and uh, I, I'd like to uh, posit that maybe we take a trip back to 1997 and uh, examine a movie called Wag the Dog because it has been increasingly hilarious to watch how fast the mainstream media and the narrative has shifted away from impeachment to war. And now everywhere we look, it's war, 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 war. And we we can't pretend that this is not completely planned out. Trump knew exactly what he was doing. And now hundreds, thousands, potentially millions of people are going to die so that Trump can take pressure off of himself basically right and he he had he actually called out obama for doing the exact same thing on multiple instances you know you can go back through trump trump's tweets and there's there's dozens of these tr- t- tweets that trump said where he was calling out obama for doing exactly what he's doing right now you know remember i predicted a long time ago that president obama will attack iran because of his inability to negotiate or or don't let obama play the iran card to start a war to get reelected like he, that's what he he's he he said this over you know over the last ten years before he was elected and now he's doing the exact same thing that uh that Obama did to you know to start wars to to distract people certainly more continuity in government and uh, their policies and what we've seen play out pretty much since nine eleven and I found it kind of funny as well that Trump supporters are downplaying this so much I mean we we've seen it all over our pages all in our group but I think it's safe to say seeing that the military industrial complex basically runs the government. The U.S. makes big money from these endless wars. The fact that Trump is so volatile, he's so erratic because he is such an egomaniac. And as you know, we were just saying, this is something that's been talked about for years. I think since like 2007 when uh, General Wesley Clark warned of this exact scenario. So it seems like the U.S. has been trying to find a reason any reason to go to war with Iran. And yeah, we should be concerned. Like, I don't want another war. You know, we're still in the Afghanistan war. That's been 18 plus years. So why in the hell would we want another war? And, you know, I I think all libertarians, anybody who's anti-war should be speaking out about this. We should be making a lot of noise because it looks like things are escalating. So yeah, I'm, I'm concerned and I'm trying to, you know, personally, and we are as an organization trying to get the word out there that, you know, we need to be vocal about this. I agree, man. Yeah. And and you said like it is, like you said it is escalating. The Iraq just moved to expel the U.S. military out of there. They've already you know threatened more attacks. The um, the um, a housing base in Iraq that housed U.S. troops was was attacked over the weekend. It's it's just going to keep escalating. And the attacks that are that we're seeing right now that is not Iran. That's these other forces that were that they they left leaderless. You know the Quds Force for one 
But the, during that attack, that we also killed uh, the leader of the another m- militia in Iran. I mean Iraq that was helping to fight ISIS. The Khatib Hezbollah is uh, his, the leader of that, whose name I can't pronounce, um, was also killed in that assassination. So that militia is also leaderless around Iraq right now, and so they're going to be launching attacks as well against U.S. troops and on, on t- in targets in Iraq. And uh, it's only going to go tit for tat for so long until, you know, it ex- it, it escalates to the point of uh, an invasion or uh, or worse, you know, a nuclear strike, which would which would be just, just devastating. Yeah, and as we talk about things escalating, too, it's also important to note that uh, for, from Fort Bragg, the 82nd Airborne last night, I just happened to see on Drudge that uh, the 82nd Airborne Quick Response Force has been deployed to Kuwait. So we are also ramping up our troop numbers over there as well. Yeah, instead of de-escalating. Iran also rolled back their nuclear deal commitment. Uh, and Trump, of course, is doubling down now, saying if Iran targets any type of U.S. base or there's any type of retaliation, then the U.S. will hit 52 more Iranian targets. So, yeah, this is ramping up. Anybody who can't see that is basically blind at this point. Yeah, I wanted to mention that tweet from Trump about the 52 military targets. So he he tweeted that on Saturday. He, he said that there's 52 targets that in Iran that represent the 52 hostages taken many years ago. Some weird bullshit. So, but he says that it's a very high level and important to Iran and the Iranian culture, and those targets in Iran itself will be hit fast and very fast. So, if you go back through that and see that you know that these, he said that these targets are going to be important to the Iranian culture. He is threatening to to blow up cultural sites. This is like this is the tactic of ISIS itself. ISIS is the one that goes around. You know these groups. They go around and they, and they blow up religious sites and cultural sites as a means to terrorize the people. And this is the president tweeting that. In fact, it's that very tweet itself is a war crime. Um, I looked this up, you know, this morning. So Section five point one six point two of the U.S. DOD Law of War prohibits threats to destroy cultural objects for the express purpose of deterring enemy operations. So he de facto tweeted out a war crime. Now, I mean, the president is full of hot air and he often, you know, it threatens to do a bunch of bullshit that he never does. But I mean, this is this is insanity right here. He's he's literally employing the same tactics as ISIS and his Trump pumpers are are just cheering him on. Apparently, the 52 sites, too, were supposed to be um, for the 52 American diplomats that were held hostage during the Iran crisis in 1979, which I feel like is peak propaganda, you know, <laughs> like, really? Um, but of course, you know, there's been so much bad blood, and a lot of people actually don't even know that in uh, 1988, there was a passenger plane uh, shot down from the U.S. that killed 290 civilians, Iranian civilians. Rachel Blevins, who now works for RT, wrote that article for us in July of 2018. But yeah, that's a whole nother part of history that just goes pretty much ignored in you know, history textbooks. I never heard anything about it until we actually wrote the article. Um, but yeah, 66 children were, were killed um, and ultimately 290 innocent Iranian civilians. So you know the bad blood between these two countries go way back. It, it's it's definitely something a lot 
more in depth than just they attacked our embassy in Iraq. People are very short-sighted, and I, I guess that is kind of the essence of uh, the American public at this point, like we were talking about earlier with some of this propaganda. You know, it, it doesn't the history doesn't matter, the facts don't matter. It's just uh, what side are we on? It was pretty right. funny. I, I, I was actually uh, going through our archives, and I had uh, I saw an article from uh, January of 2018 where Iran accused foreign enemies of sponsoring violent protests. And if that doesn't sound exactly like what's going on in Iraq right now, you just really aren't paying attention. These these narratives are just repeating over and over and over again, and the American public keeps eating it up. And I really just hope I know, you know, uh, again, just to briefly go back to the impeachment thing. Now, now that Trump is a war criminal, because that was one of the biggest, you know, critiques I saw from uh, libertarians was uh, that, you know, there we have reasons to justify impeaching Bush and Obama. I just hope that people now will now that Trump is also a war criminal, that people will be, you know, understand the urgency that this guy really is like the worst president we've had in modern days and he needs to be removed from office as soon as fucking possible yeah man i mean i agree all this rhetoric that he had before where you know he was all anti-war and wanted to bring home the troops and all that that, uh, that's just all been proven to be lies he's just escalated he sent more troops in afghanistan and this is all in spite of the afghanistan papers coming out uh that showed that the u.s has been lying to americans for for decades on the Afghanistan war and like top level officials all, all feeding us lines of bullshit saying that we're doing, we're accomplishing things there when actually they knew the entire time that there was no reason to be there and we weren't accomplishing anything except like dismembering, you know, troops and blowing up children and, and tearing the country to the ground. Yeah. Those Afghanistan reports came out less than a month ago, less than a month ago. And here we are again and people are just buying this, hook, line, and sinker. Doesn't anybody remember, you know, Iraq has weapons of mass destruction? I mean... Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, remember the Maine, remember the Lusitania, remember the Maddox. There, There's countless examples of how we've been lied into war after war after war. And, uh, you know, it's sad to say, as long as this country remains as partisan as it is, you know, you're always going to have, and this is no different than when Obama was in office, and he was dropping bomb after bomb, and uh, you know, Democrats were, you know, what happened to the anti-war left? If if I will say one positive to come from this that was a little bit heartening was the day after the airstrike, or I believe maybe it was two days after the airstrike, there were over 70 protests, anti-war protests across the country. So hopefully we're seeing, a, you know, maybe a renewed vigor from the quote-unquote anti-war left. And, and, you know, at this point, I've, I've seen a couple memes, too, like making fun that, you know, the Rip Van Winkle, you know, anti-war left is finally awoke again. And, I mean, I guess we could jump on board with those memes and kind of call out the left for that. But at this point, like, I don't even fucking care. Like, I mean, I do. And it was frustrating when Obama was in office because they, they did turn a blind eye to a lot of different incidents. But at this point, like, if they're back on board and they're anti-war, like, I feel like these people are allies. And yeah, we might not see eye to eye on quite a bit. But if they're anti-war, in my opinion, they're smarter than the right. Exactly. I welcome them back with open arms. You know, hey, I missed you. Where have you been? They've been sucking at the teat of Obama. (laughs) The Obama propaganda arm that put the anti-war left back to sleep. And then, the, but the Obama woke up the anti-war right, who is now going back to sleep with Trump. 
And um, so it's just a silly ass cycle that goes back and forth. But I mean, actually, there's not there that. I mean, like you said, there's a couple of, of, of protests happening or whatever around the country, but it's not like the left is actually massively organizing to to take out Trump because of this. They're still screaming about, you know, this Russia involvement and the quid pro quo in the Ukraine and stuff like that. So it's which is like you said, also disappearing from the media with all this march to war stuff. But um, so th- there's one thing I wanted to point out is this is a little different than um, the previous marches to war where we had everybody backing us. You know, like we're, we don't have the rest of the NATO countries involved in this uh, that would be involved in this backing us right now. They don't want to go. They don't want to support what's going what the United States is doing right now because they know that it's not right, which that is I find that incredibly heartening. You know, that's when you don't have the support of the rest of the world and you want to try to start a war with another country. That's a very good thing, you know. That without the support of the rest of, the, without the other any other support in the West, the U.S. is essentially rendered helpless in fighting this war, you know, or escalating it further because they won't be able to move military equipment and out of the area. They won't, ha- you know, they they'll have to get they have to break a bunch of laws to be able to start this war, and that's not what they want to do because they want to have support for it. Yeah, and as far as variables go with this, you know, we talk about how the, the narratives remain the same. That That is one major difference that is going to be interesting to see how it plays out because, you know, we, we elected a reality TV star as the president, and now we're surprised that we are living in a perpetual rerun. It's nice to see that the rest of the world has, uh, you know, hopefully changed the channel. I think the rest of the world, I mean, everybody's sick and tired of U.S. imperialism, you know, and uh Unfortunately, the propaganda is so thick that Americans aren't quite yet. That day might come, but you know, as long as Trump continues pumping out these narratives and uh, people keep continuing to believe it, it, it seems like Trump could do no wrong at this point to to the supporters. So obviously, we're, we're catering a lot of this information to the people who are sitting on the fence and trying to kind of awaken them. But it, unfortunately, it seems like man, it, no matter how many of these. Trump supporters I talk to, I rarely get any type of logic or, uh, you know, reason whatsoever. Yeah, it's been pretty, pretty disheartening to see the level level of cognitive dissonance coming from people. And unfortunately, when it comes to Trump supporters, uh, you know, I realized probably well over a year ago that, that unfortunately there is just about a third of the population that is just they're beyond reproach there there is no point in talking to them they will justify anything uh you know trump has been caught lying well over fifteen thousand times at this point and there's people that will still back him they will defend him to the death no matter what they do because he's he's their guy and it, it's nice to see i saw uh, christianity today put out a piece criticizing him uh, you know, the, and he, of course, he's massively popular with the evangelical community who is still still defending him despite his numerous moral faultings as, as they worded it. And, you know, I've gotten to a point where, unfortunately, it's just not even worth it. I'll, I'll produce content and I will try and always convince people against war. But as far as debating back and forth, there, there's just about a third of the population that there, there's no point in even addressing them. And unfortunately, we saw the same thing with Obama, you know, during the Obama era. When we were talking about how he was dropping bombs and overthrowing governments, there was another third of the population that just wanted to hear no part of it. And this is just getting worse and worse, and it's being compounded by 
millions of dollars being thrown into elections and until we start addressing many of the the faults with our domestic policy our foreign policy is going to continue to be a nightmare as well yeah no i agree completely um you know this is the danger of statism is that it's very tribalistic in nature and uh, people will literally defy logic bend over backwards for their mental gymnastics to justify and defend these people. You know, and it, it seems like things are becoming even more simplistic. You know, the, the dumbing down of America is certainly real. If, if we could talk about this for a second as well, it blows my mind that so many people are basing this, this act of aggression, this assassination off of the attack on the embassy. And even that from the protesters who were protesting the embassy. It was uh, because of a retaliation attack by the U.S. that started all this anger in the first place. Uh, like I said, this is, this is deep-seated. This goes way back in history, but this more recent situation, all escalating because of U.S. action, because of U.S. foreign policy. So it's crazy to me that we even have to explain to people that if you invade another country, you're not defending your country. You're attacking people who are defending their country from you. And I know we've memed that plenty of times before, Johnny. Um, but, you know, defense doesn't require a military presence in over 150 countries, but uh, preserving a global empire does. But once again, these people are waving the flag. Uh, all these people who are mindlessly supporting this act of aggression, you know, there's just no logic. There's no thinking here. Uh, you know, we need to do better than that. Intellectual integrity needs to exist once again in this country or it's going to never get better. You know, the make America great again? Well, guess what? Like, until people are actually honest and there's actually integrity when it comes to their beliefs and principles, nothing's ever going to change. Well, no, but the slogan sounds good. You say make America great again, and, of course, you get, you know, you get a whole bunch of people to that, you know, they hearken back to 1950 when everything was great for them. And the slogans, we, we always remember the slogans. The slogans sound good, but... The actual meaning of it is completely lost. And like you said, intellectual integrity is something that unfortunately largely just doesn't exist in the realm of political groupthink. And you, you look at, uh, you know, we talk about cha changing the tide in this. Unfortunately, we can look at, you know, the future with, you know, all the uh, the current presidential nominees and the overwhelming majority of the Democratic frontrunners, they 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 decry Trump's actions but and then they go into a defense of how killing Soleimani was the right thing to do. So these policies aren't really likely to change much in the future. And it's sad to see, it's sad to see that, unfortunately, there is a couple of there are a couple of Democratic nominees, uh, mainly Tulsi Gabbard and Andrew Yang, who have decried this. But where are they polling? They're polling nowhere at the top. They're getting screwed out of debates and polls and everything. And that that's unlikely to change as well in the future. And as I mentioned before, until we change our domestic policies, our foreign policies are going to continue to rot away. I don't know if you guys had a chance to read this article. I put it in our chat uh, yesterday. It was an NPR article about a uh, GOP strategist. He's one of the guys that helped create GOP uh, gerrymandering. And what they did was they redrew districts that have helped polarize the country into this deeply, deeply politically polar environment. And it was pretty cool reading because this girl 
her dad obviously was a Republican. He wanted Republicans to win elections. And when reporters asked her what her motivations were and if she identifies as a Democrat, she came flat out and she said, no, she actually identifies as an anarchist. And she doesn't think that we're going to find solutions to these problems within the political realm that we're going to actually have to change. We're going to have to change our culture. We're going to have to change our mindset on an individual level to solve these problems because they are so deeply ingrained into the system. Absolutely. And a side note, too, is uh, just going back here for a second, the whole uh, make, a gr- make America Great Again slogan is actually stolen from Reagan, which I, I find kind of ironic because it's almost like Trump's uh, campaign couldn't have think of anything better. So they're just like, hey, let's just recycle this old uh, Reagan slogan. And, and people buy it. And people still, to this day, don't even realize that that's actually Reagan's line, Reagan's slogan for, I believe, the 84? Yeah, well, I mean, let's look at... Let's look at the current state of state of Hollywood right now. You know, we got remakes being pumped out. Everybody's making sequels and remakes. I mean, we are literally living in a rerun right now. This is the Reagan era almost to a T. It also applies to the way we're starting the war again, too. You know, so like we're just we're we're repeating slogans. We're repeating this propaganda all to start this more wars in the same area that have all been long planned out. It's yeah, we're a broken record that just keeps repeating itself. So I think it's like that's telling the fact that, you know, that that Trump could use his the, a slogan from Reagan administration to 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 propagandize uh, the Americans today. You know, it's a uh, it's telling like going back to what you said earlier, Jason, about how this entire escalation was started over an alleged attack on a U.S. site in Iraq. And then the president blamed it on I on Iran without any proof whatsoever there was allegedly an american contractor uh who was killed during that and in response to this american contractor who was allegedly killed by one of the groups in iraq the u.s launched a massive strike inside the country and killed 25 people and injured like dozens more and just just to clarify as well that uh, that attack where the contractor was killed that was actually not the embassy attack that had actually happened about a week beforehand and uh, I, again I, I do just have to go back to the impeachment because this is such blatant wag the dog two days prior to Trump launching the attack this is about five days now after that initial attack where the US contractor was killed the New York Times came out with a report where a company called Just Security had obtained emails from the Trump administration specifically implicating him in the quid pro quo. And two days later, he decides to attack Iran for an attack that happened five days prior. Right. I wasn't saying that that was the uh, embassy. The, the, the American contractor was killed as an, in a, uh, allegedly killed at a, ba- a base in Iraq. The embassy attack happened after the U.S. launched a strike killing 25 people in, uh, inside, Ira- in, uh, inside Iraq. Those 25 people happened to be fighting ISIS as well, and the dozens of others that were injured were also fighting ISIS. The embassy attack was a protest that started um, after the U.S. launched these strikes on soldiers who were fighting ISIS inside Iraq. And yeah, so, there was, there yeah, was then a Donald, lot of tr- Donald Trump you know, went to Twitter and started, he started blaming Iran for the thousands of Iraqis protesting in Iraq. You know, this is right. this is the state of how silly this shit has gotten. And, and then days later, we, we, we take out uh, Soleimani, you know, and yeah, now, and, and, now we find ourselves where we are. 
And his supporters ate it up, too. I can't tell you how many people I saw conflating the embassy protests with the rocket attacks. And they were talking about them like they were the exact same event. Like, no, you like there's a tit for tat that happened over a period of weeks. And it wasn't until that New York Times report came out that this really got escalated, which just makes the timing of it that much more interesting. This mindset from Americans as well that we're entitled to have these bases all over the Middle East and these people are evil for attacking them or, you know, trying to uh, get us to leave, it to me is insane. I mean, there's what, like over 150 bases in the Middle East and many of them surrounding Iran? This is completely crazy. We have no entitlement in this situation. I mean, uh, there, there should be no reason why we're over there in the first place. America needs to stop playing the world police. I mean, look, we're $23 trillion in debt. We don't need to be doing nation building overseas. We need to get out of there, leave those people alone. Because as we were talking about earlier in this podcast, there's going to be consequences for this. Does that mean that uh, it's going to be military? Possibly. That's what you know, that's what they're saying, the Iranian government's saying. But there also could be terrorist attacks within the United States on domestic soil and retribution to this. And, you know, people, innocent people are going to die. And then once again, American politicians are going to point back at terrorism. And it's just going to continue to be this disaster of a cycle. It's really funny that you mentioned that we need to stop being the world police, because I'm pretty sure there was someone else that mentioned that back in 2016. I just can't think of his name off the top of my head. I think his name was Donald Trump. I think you're right. (laughs) Well, and Ron Paul have been saying that for years. Uh, Ron Paul meant it. Yeah, he meant it. I haven't really heard too much about from Ron Paul about all this. I mean, uh, Rand, yeah, we saw that that news article, but has has Ron really sp- spoke out about this much? Yeah, I mean, on, on Twitter, I've been following it, and and there, he's been speaking out of it since before it even escalated to this point. They've been they've been um, calling it out for that this for this entire time for several weeks now. Well, yeah, he's a prophet, basically. I mean, he always has been. Um, you know, he sees this stuff happening and his understanding of foreign policy and geopolitics is second to none. Right. And we were I mean, the fact that we're going to or trying to go to war with Iran is not anything that should be surprising. If anybody's been paying attention, I think Wesley Clark was mentioned earlier, but there's been uh, the, there's a project for a new American century. There's been a lot of these think tank, neoconservative think tanks that um have been planning to take out Iran for for some time. I mean, this information is public, so Iran knows this, you know. So that's why they they've been they've established this presence in Iraq and everywhere else is to protect their interests because everything else in uh, in that area is being taken by the United by the United States and in the interests of Saudi Arabia and Israel. And um, as we know, the actual largest state sponsor of terror in the world is not Iran; it is in fact Saudi Arabia. And this is known by multiple countries across the planet. You know, it's not, uh, it's not Iran at all. <laughs> I mean, the Quds Force is no group of angels. They de- the or Quds Force. They've they've definitely done their share of murder and and killing and stuff. And this is to maintain interests. Their Iran's interests uh, at you know to protect them from the U.S. interests that are that are invading that area over there. But yeah, this this stuff is this this war with Iran has been planned for two decades now. And um, I'll, I'll even read that quote from General Wesley Clark. He went on a uh, I forget what sh- some show or whatever, and he went on it. Now I think, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. And he said he was holding the memo in his hand, I believe. And he's like, "This is a memo that describes how we're going to go take out seven countries in five years, starting with Iraq and then Syria, Lebanon, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, and finishing off with Iran." 
Now, all those countries that I named before there, Syria, Lebanon, Libya, Somalia, and Sudan, are pretty much war-torn, ravished states because of the U.S. intervention that we've uh, been spreading our freedom over there, um, especially Libya, you know, and Somalia right now. I mean, there's the, the Trump administration has dropped more bombs in Somalia than uh, than the Obama did in the whole eight years that he was in office. And we're continuing to, like, just pound that country into oblivion and all these other countries. And literally the only country left that we haven't struck inside is Iran. And so that's why there's this, there's been this big push by all these neoconservatives, John Bolton, Mike Pompeo. All these guys are just literally they're salivating over the idea of war with Iran because it gets their – all the people that that they're that they're beholden to, like the CEOs of Lockheed Martin and Raytheon, and the ones who make all these bombs that we continue to drop on these people in caves, uh, it makes them all happy and their shareholders happy, and and makes billions of dollars at our expense and our children's expense. Yeah, yeah. It was actually I, w- I was trying to explain to a friend of mine recently um, about how much the military industrial complex runs our world, and I was using it from a local perspective. Uh, we have a Lockheed Martin plant that's about fifteen minutes from my house, and if that Lockheed Martin plant was to go under, you know, world peace broke out tomorrow, that Lockheed plant is going to go out of business. And thousands of people are going to lose their jobs. We are literally, our economy is dependent on war right now to an extent which that I don't even think Eisenhower could have predicted. Right. That The global industrial war complex that Eisenhower did predict has far superseded anything that he could imagine. And like you said, the, the, the way that these weapons companies do their business is – they make all these they make different parts for all these different missiles all across every state in the country and and so they they have a lot of jobs in these countries i mean in, in these in these in different states and so all the politicians all down to like the state and local levels are beholden to them because the jobs you know air quotes jobs uh, boost their their political careers and if you like you said if the these plants close down thousands of people are out of a job and that's, yeah, so they hold the they got the they got every government from locals to local all the way up to federal government by the balls and they they literally do their bidding and start wars for their interests and people are murdered millions of people including innocent women and children are murdered to to make sure that these bottom lines stay healthy yeah and it's important also to note that uh you know this this is not just one or two politicians this is institutional because i know we we probably likely still have a few bernie sanders uh supporters that listen to us and uh i do just want to you know remind everyone that bernie sanders supported the f35 project that was 1.5 billion or over 1.5 billion dollars and that was a military project, but it was good for taxpayers in Vermont because he supported it because the jobs were going to Vermont. I also want to take a second to point out, too, that uh, unlike uh, what Trump supporters claim anybody who anti-war is, we're not liberals. Uh, in fact, both Johnny and Matt are both veterans. They did their time within the, quote, service. Uh, they understand how this all works. So they have firsthand knowledge and experience. Yeah. One of those, uh, Trump pumpers on Twitter, um, shoot, uh, Mike Cernovich, he was, um, he was, you know, when he was 
pumping up Trump for killing uh, for for the assassination last week. He said, "I haven't spoken to a single veteran who isn't in support of this." And there are there's hundred there's thousands and tens of thousands of veterans that are speaking out against this against this escalation with Iraq, including myself, and and you know and Johnny. And so the, yeah, there's that there's that's just how completely blind that these people are in regards to like the veterans don't want to go to fucking war in Iran. There's a very good chance that they're gonna die, you know, and over for what, for for what? There's not the, Iran is not attacking us right now. They are they the 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 Quds forces and some of the other proxies armies are attacking our troops and such inside Iraq, but that's because we're inside Iraq without permission and over a war started with lies. That's why they're attacking us right now. Like like you said earlier, Iran is literally surrounded by U.S. bases almost completely. There's there's within like a hundred and something bases all the way around that, and and we're somehow the you know the good guy and Iran is somehow the bad guy here and. Again, I'm not. I'm not saying that Iran is not. Is there definitely no bastion of freedom, and and some of their people suffer suffer persecutions that are inhumane and wrong. But the, the that's not what we're doing there. We're not trying to save those people. What we're doing is trying to start a war for profit. We have enough issues in this goddamn country, you know. Like, let's focus on domestic domestic issues before we start playing the policeman of the world. <laughs> yeah, I fuck one hundred percent, man. We're, we're what there's some number in the in the multiple trillions that we've wasted on this shit. And I mean, just think of what that money could have done for infrastructure. You know, this is instead it's just turned into debt and death and it's never going to be repaid back. And it's going to ensure a, a guarantee a lifetime of future suffering. And I mean, just imagine how much the, 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 the how rich the United States is and how much money is squandered on war and over there and what we could have done with it otherwise. We would have fucking – everybody would have a Tesla. you know. I mean I'm not at all for like redistribution of wealth or, or taxation or anything like that. I'm just saying we could – if this money wasn't – it's going to war. you know. If it was going to something else like education or anything like that or healthcare or infrastructure, anything, anything like that, we would – you know, this place, we'd be like the fucking Jetsons. We just spend money on all this destruction and nothing that we're – we're not building anything. We don't have – our infrastructure, our roads, and everything around the countries, we always hear it constantly collapsing. You know, every uh, every year a bridge fucking collapses and people die and shit. And we're over there spending money by the trillions of dollars to, to fucking accomplish what? To create terrorists that because we blow their children up in some drone strike on some fucking militia group that is only against us because we're in their goddamn backyard killing their fucking families. And so it's just a never-ending cycle of the same shit that oh, happens over and over and over again. Yeah, you know, 35 years ago, we were promised flying cars, and instead we got flying missiles and a whole lot of dead people on the other side of the planet. Yeah. These wars cost money, you know, and that's why the, the debt's so ex- so exceedingly high. It's just uh, it's $23.1 trillion. I know I've mentioned that already, but with each war, our debt per citizen goes up. Our debt per taxpayer, our debt per family goes up. And <clears throat> I saw a meme yesterday, I actually brought it up. You know, a full-time employee making $15 an hour earns 31000 per year. After taxes, their take home is roughly about twenty three thousand nine hundred per year. So that's like roughly seven thousand three hundred dollars stolen by the government, almost six hundred dollars a month. Like whose life wouldn't be improved if they had that extra six hundred dollars a month to live on? 
So all these things, once again, you know, they have consequences, cause and effect. You know, want more war? Well, guess what? You're going to be the one paying for it, not the government. Guess where the government gets their money from? Taxpayers. And well, creating said, it out of thin air. If you don't want it to pay taxes, they'll steal it out of your bank account through inflation. Yeah, and unfortunately, how most of the wars are are funded, you know. Unfortunately, too, a lot of this deficit spending, uh, you know, as far as it going towards our, our horrible foreign policy is also being used for horrible domestic policy. I mean, we spent over 16 trillion dollars bailing out banks and the Federal Reserve, even now in the midst of what we're being told is the greatest economy ever. The Federal Reserve is still pumping in hundreds of billions of dollars into liquidity, into these markets, into the repo market especially, to help keep markets afloat. You got Trump pressuring the the president of the Federal Reserve to keep interest rates low. Like we are building another really big bubble. And when this one comes collapsing down, we are all going to be much worse. I think that uh, 2008, we got the warm up taste for it. But it's just ironic because now here we are in the roaring 20s again. And I don't even think we're going to make it to 29 before we see a massive, massive bubble collapse that is going to affect everyone. And uh, just a side note, if if you have a little money to throw into it, I wouldn't, you know, say invest in Bitcoin while you can because this bubble is collapsing. It's a mathematical certainty, in fact. And I think that – They've gotten so good at this uh, injecting the like printing money and putting it into the market without anybody paying attention that they uh, they actually staved off a financial collapse for the first in a, in a, the last decade in the tens um, for the first time I think in American history right am I am I wrong in saying that that the 2010 through 20 was the first decade without a financial collapse inside the United States but it's not it's not because they're they're doing something correct it's because that it, the the problem has gotten so large that they've just been they're, they're, they've just been putting it or covering it up so well that it, it staved it off for a brief period of time. But it's uh, you know we're at the highest we've added trillion almost a trillion dollars in debt per year that Trump has been in office, which is like more than any president in the history of the United States, including you know liberal Obama who was spending a lot more money or, or what everybody claims who was spending a lot more money. You know, and you don't even hear any of the Republicans say anything about that. They're not they don't they don't question Trump when it comes to increasing the, the national debt by trillions of dollars. And yeah, that we get back, back to the partisan bullshit, you know, the, the no, this, by the parties. This this is all part of a, a beautiful plan on the right, because they're going to they're going to achieve goals that they want through their deficit spending. Make no mistake, if Donald Trump is reelected in 2020, all he is going to lose a lot of support from his base. But at that point, it won't matter because he can't be reelected again. But uh, they're going the Republicans. It's been long been their plan to go after the social program. So they're going to try and do everything they can to go after Social Security, privatize it, to put it into the markets again, to help keep their markets afloat. And you can't help but appreciate the irony in that. You know, there's so many people that complain about, you know, people that are dependent on the government and food stamps and welfare and all these things. They complain about that. Yet they don't see the irony in that the entire system right now, the entire market system is dependent on the government. And if the Federal Reserve cuts off that cuts off that spending, we are going to we're headed for some bad times in this country, financially speaking. You guys remember when conservatives were actually for small government and uh, anti-spending? 
you know, now we see that these people aren't conservatives whatsoever. You know, they're totally for big government as long as it's their flavor of government, their flavor of government programs and policies. Yep. So. I, I think one of the big things with Trump, too, is that, you know, I, I recall a time back in 2015, late 2015, before Trump got the nomination, when everybody was kind of like, really, Donald Trump and Hillary, the, these are our choices, this entire thing is a joke. And then a very large popu- uh, segment of the population got duped, basically, into supporting Trump. And because they got duped, they're even more resistant to admit that they were wrong because, again, it's cognitive dissonance. People just don't want to admit and just, you know, say, hey, you know what? I was wrong and I learned my lesson. Now, instead, they, they fight it with everything they have. And no matter what this man does, no matter how many times he lies, I mean, come on, windmill cancer seriously people like just snap out of it and let's go back to where it was in 2015 where we understood that the entire thing was a joke well you know there is a solution to all this fellas uh you know these politicians the president they want war with iran well let's uh you know let's round them up uh their kids all the ceos and shareholders of all the military contractors and military companies and let's go ahead and send them over to iran <laughs> so they could do all the fighting over there because uh yeah you know there's uh, this belief that you know people support the troops and care about the troops but when it comes to these endless wars it seems like they could care less they're out there you know waving the flag beating the drum of war yeah, exactly, man. <laughs> the 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 only way to truly support the troops is to stop sending them to wars for profit in which they get come back in coffins or limbless or maimed or with PTSD. That's the only way you can support the troops. Stop using them as pawns in this war for profit. Hey, on a positive note though, if we did send, you know, the politicians over kids over to war and then they came back Maybe weed would actually be legalized for veterans for the first time. That would be nice. Because they'd all have PTSD and trying to treat it, huh? Oh, yeah, that. I mean, you know, we did cover, we covered the story uh, back, what, two weeks or so ago about how while all the impeachment thing was going on, Congress and uh, the, the GOP and the Senate Republicans basically killed marijuana reforms, one of which was to protect veterans that are in the cannabis industry. Yeah, how egregious was that, man? Like why no one was paying attention that was just stripped from the bill. The same thing – I mean that's when all these uh, these corrupt laws and, and, and uh, legislations are passed is it when everybody's not paying attention. Like that – I mean this – this war with Iran, even the when the, the NDAA uh, was reauthorized, the National Defense Authorization Act, when that was reauthorized in December, it was uh, they the, bipartisanly they stripped out a, a provision of it that specifically blocked the president from declaring a, a unilateral war on Iran. So they removed that from it, so he could. I mean, they removed that specific. Uh, portion of the national defense authorization act from the from the law so he could do exactly what he did three weeks later yeah and it was incredibly it was incredibly ironic too because that that whole bill was uh 
you know, it was going through while the impeachment thing was going on. And there were Democrats literally running across the street in between impeachment hearings to go and vote on that bill. And I, you know, I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth. I'm just saying that these bills tend pretty long. And I'm guessing you did not read the entire bill before you ran across the street, voted on it, and then went back to your to your impeachment hearing. You could count on that. Right. <laughs> exactly. I hope our, our listeners take this in and then go start spreading that anti-war propaganda on social media networks everywhere, Twitter, Facebook. Don't be scared to, 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 to say this. You know, this is you're on the right side here. Everybody supporting this war is either duped or complicit. So it takes a strong person to stand up against the warmongers. So be that person and, and share this information out there. To everybody on the left, I would just like to say I, I would like to, with open arms, welcome you back to the anti-war movement. I've missed you. I love standing next to you, and uh, hopefully I'll see you in D.C. at some point. All right, y'all. Well, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we're planning on doing more of these more consistently, at least a couple of months when our schedules do align. But don't forget to like, subscribe, share and review this podcast, help us get more listeners. And also, uh, you know, we've been hit pretty hard by the censorship stick. So please uh, check us out. Free Thought Project 4.0, Police the Police 3.0 on Facebook. We're also on Twitter, Instagram, float.app, MeWe, Minds, Gab, uh, Mastodon, Tumblr, basically all of them. So if you have a social media platform of choice, do look us up and support us. And if you're feeling so obliged, we also could use any type of help we could get through donations or subscriptions. Uh, so go to thefreethoughtproject.com, subscribe, and check that out. Thank you guys so much for listening. Peace. Peace.